Welcome to the Truth About Public Sector podcast. The public sector is a key component of our society. Sometimes, as a member of the public, it can be difficult to understand what challenges they are facing, the solutions they are implementing, and fundamentally, how that affects our day-to-day lives. The purpose of this podcast is to shine a light on topics and issues that are prevalent in the public sector, and hopefully, by shining a light on these problems and the solutions being implemented, it will drive a greater level of engagement from the public with public sector organisations across the UK. It's fair to say that universities have become an increasingly prominent aspect of society and potentially controversial. And today I wanted to introduce um, Professor John Brewer. Now, before I introduce our our guest, who I'm very grateful for coming on, a bit of a background. Uh, John is currently the chair of the Board of Trustees of the National Football Museum, visiting professor at the University of Suffolk. And in his most recent assignment, he was interim deputy vice chancellor at the University of the West of Scotland. But what I really like about John is that he has experience in academia and business. He's got a demonstrated history of working in the higher education industry and is able to really kind of bridge the gap between the university space and, in brackets, the real world. So, John, thank you so much for coming on. How are you today? Yeah, very good. Thank you for that. And thank you very much for inviting me. It's it's a pleasure to be here. So first question, is university the right route for everyone? I don't think it is. I think if we go back to the early 1990s when Tony Blair, the Prime Minister, made his pledge to have 50% of young people going to university, that was a very admirable uh, pledge and admirable route to try and uh, get students to take. However, I think uh, certainly my experience is that if you look at the current crop of students going to university, there are probably quite a large number of them who may well benefit more from an alternative, for example, an apprenticeship, uh, going to work in industry, setting up their own business. I think the universities themselves have really done everything they can, uh, understandably in many ways, to widen access to students from all backgrounds. And that's very good. It certainly has transformed the lives of many young people. But at the same time, I think it has meant that inevitably there are young people who have gone to university more because they feel that's the right thing to do rather than because it genuinely is the right thing for them to do. And as a result of that, inevitably they've racked up large debts. Um, They've not got onto the employment ladder for quite a number of years because of their time studying. And perhaps for them, an alternative route may well have been better. I just want to get pick up on a point you said there because I really buy into this. They feel that they have to do it to in order to keep moving forward in life and to be successful. And it's one of the things I'm really passionate about because I don't think there is, I think a lot of children are passive on their academic route. And that's not not criticism. It's the fact that the system itself isn't being proactive in saying, what are your strengths? What are you good at? Is this genuinely the right route? Um, so are only universities honest enough with their prospective students, do you feel? I think if you ask the universities, they will say, yes, they are. But I think the reality for me, Matt, is that in many cases they aren't. And and I'll give you a couple of examples of that. I think firstly, when you go to an open day, which is that first main point of contact that a a student, a young person will have with a, a possible university, they will be told that they will go to university, they've got a great chance of getting a great degree, and that that degree will open up a career pathway for them that will mean that they will earn more more money and that in turn will pay back the, the debt that they've accrued. The reality is that if you look at the statistics from many universities, particularly the middle to lower ranking universities, they'll probably report at the end of three years a retention rate of around about 80%. 
So one in five of those students who decide to go to a university on day one will not graduate uh, three years or four years later, depending on the degree programme that they're doing. That's a high dropout, 20% of the students. In addition to that, when you look at the percentage of the students that will get what is termed a good honours degree, so either a 2-1 or a first class degree, that's probably in most cases 60 to 70 percent of the overall student population. So if you factor those two statistics in, the 80 percent retention, the 50 to 60 percent who get a good honours degree, actually it means that only about half, if not slightly less than half, of those students who start a university degree on day one will come out of that degree with a good honours degree at the end of it because of the dropout rate and because of the percentage that get a good honours degree. Now, I think if you were at an open day and you heard that only half of the people in the room who accept a place at a university are likely to come out of it with a good honours degree, you would be quite reluctant to take up that degree space. So my message to students is to really dig behind the, the message that you're given to see what chance you have of staying at that university and getting a good honours degree. And if I may just build on that slightly as a second example, Matt, I think universities are not honest enough in telling students the type of university that they are and the type of university or the type of student that they will suit. Um, now, I do a lot of skiing and if you go to a ski resort and you read a brochure, it'll say this resort is great for skiers who like to do black runs, have a great nightlife, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Or there'll be other resorts where they'll say, actually, this is a gentle resort and it's you know out in the middle of nowhere. There's not much of a nightlife. I think universities need to be far more honest with their students, telling them what type of student is best suited to a particular university. And I'd love to see universities actually saying, if you like a great nightlife and you like lots of social life and you want to take part in high quality sport, actually, we're not the place for you. We're a place for students who want to have a quieter way of life. We're not in a big city or town and we encourage you to you know, work hard and stay in the library and, and as all universities would. But I don't think there's enough honesty uh, from universities saying to the students, this is the type of student that this university particularly suits. And far too many students through peer pressure, through pressure from their schools, go to a university that isn't necessarily the right place for them. It may be a high ranking university. They find that they're not suited to that way of life and that way of studying and they end up dropping out. So I think we need more honesty on many different levels from universities to ensure that the right students go to the right place, doing the right course for them. Does that lack of honesty, um, is that a financial aspect, do you think? Is it purely because they're trying to maximise the intake of students? Yeah, when I first entered the, the university sector um, about 15 years ago, it, it was I'd come, as, as you said in the introduction, from the business world. And it was clear to me in those days that many universities were still not really operating as businesses. But over the 15, 20 years or so, I've seen universities really change to be much more business focused in all that they do. Um, but along with that, I'm afraid there has been a desire to see students as bringers of income, £9,250 for every university student that you can get into a lecture theatre at the start of, of, of term. That money is essential for the running of the university and particularly when times have become tough and we've seen through demographic reasons, the number of applicants going to university has dropped. Uh, we've seen the number of universities 
grow, there has been a scrambling for university places. And I'm afraid many vice chancellors have encouraged their recruitment teams to decrease the entry tariff to get more students in at all costs, because unless they can do that, uh, they face real financial pressures. And part of that has also been caused by the fact, Matt, that many universities have understandably uh, invested in their infrastructure, they've improved their campuses, they've improved their accommodation. That has almost certainly involved going to banks for big loans. So there are many universities who have large debts with banks for investment that they've made in their campuses that they have to pay off. And if they don't get the income coming in, and the main source of income for most universities is domestic undergraduate students, uh, they will find themselves in really deep problems. So yes, the students are an essential part of the business model for most universities in this country, if not all Has of them. Just on that point, I mean, has the university sector become too big? And do you think there's sufficient focus around quality assurance? Look, there are around 140 universities in this country. Uh, there are also many other institutions that aren't universities that also offer higher education qualifications. My own view is that, yes, the sector has become too big. I think we will inevitably, in the not too distant future, I think, see either closures of universities or indeed perhaps more likely mergers of universities where central costs are reduced by having only one vice chancellor, only one HR team, only one finance team and so on. And I think that's inevitably something that we will see happening because I don't think the current model as it stands is sustainable. There are too many universities chasing too few students. And as a result of that, going back to your quality assurance question, I think there has been this temptation to dive to the bottom of the entry tariff and to recruit students who perhaps uh, still are not uh, in the right place going to the universities to do high, high high intensity study and they may well be better off as we said right at the outset looking at alternative career routes and that may not necessarily mean not doing a degree what it might mean is doing a degree in a different way either part-time whilst they have a job and more and more students are doing that or perhaps following a, de a degree apprenticeship route where you can study for a degree alongside your career and many employers are now working with university to offer degree apprenticeship routes but i think this temptation to try and drag as many people into the university sector as possible is one that is harmful for universities because it's making the teaching environment very difficult for many academics and it's also not doing the right thing for young people who would be better off considering an alternative route i think one of the things i'd say there is in, in my day job within recruitment is that i would say some of the best candidates I work with go down the apprenticeship route. They have the alternative kind of part-time degree alongside their work because it's relevant. Yeah. It's, it's to do with an outcome that they've decided is good for them. It plays their strengths and therefore the degree is a considered and a beneficial approach to them. It's not a passive decision based on the pressure of society. One of the things that we've spoken a, a lot about off air, and you've really illuminated uh, to, to me the the potential downfall, and in terms of well, downfall is the wrong word, but the introduction of foundation year offers. And you talked a second ago about being difficult for academics. What are your views on these foundation year offers? 
Firstly, I'll just start by clarifying that's different to a foundation degree. A foundation degree is a qualification per se. A foundation year is, is really exactly what it says on the label. It's a year that equips young people for the skills that they need to study independently and to learn. And by and large, they are offered to students uh, who don't meet the minimum entry tariffs that many universities have. And I'm talking here primarily, Matt, about some of the, the lower ranking universities uh, who will understandably be widening access and offering qualifications to many young people who wouldn't otherwise be able to go to university. But, and I've seen this happen uh, on clearing days, they'll get students ringing in, they've perhaps not achieved the minimum tariff. And let's be honest, the minimum tariff is very often the A-level equivalent to two Ds, two Es even. They haven't achieved those qualifications. Uh, or that, that standard of tariff, that level of tariff, and they are offered a foundation year. Um, my experience of those foundation years is that they have extremely high dropout rates. Uh, their attendance is extremely poor for the young people who do them. And when those young people uh, do finally go to university and start year one of their degree, they do struggle to, to keep up with those other students that are around them. That's not in any way being disingenuous to the students, the young people themselves. It's simply because their way of learning may often be very different and they may not be cut out for a degree qualification and would be far better off looking at an alternative. But foundation year offers have become an essential part of the business model and the income stream for many universities. So vice chancellors, deputy vice chancellors, recruitment teams are often very reluctant to not offer them, uh, not because they see them as something that is really, really beneficial to, to students, and it is beneficial to some students, but simply because they are an essential part of that income stream. And I know having spoken with academics who teach on those, those courses that they do find it extremely challenging and extremely difficult. So I think we need to look at the bigger picture and, and really decide whether they are the best thing for the students themselves and for the academics going forward, whilst recognising that for many universities, they are an essential part of their business model and income stream, which I think is quite a sad thing to, to have evolved into. And I'm being a little bit controversial in saying that, but I'm not a big fan, as you can probably tell. I think, look, it's it's just, it's it's so, I mean, this is the authenticity and the genuine, uh, uh, and that's why I respect you so much, John, in terms of your views on this. I also think, look, I think the key message to anyone listening is that it doesn't mean you're not, you're not, you can't be successful. You can't have a stimulating career as a student if you don't go down that route. It just means that there probably is something that's better suited to your skill set, something where you can really thrive in, because one size does not fit all. And it's almost the race to the, the, the where, where are we going to if this is where it's this continual kind of, you know, uh, reducing of the entry requirements, it, mm -hmm. you know, it's just it just doesn't work. Um, and I think that fundamentally, you know, the business uh, should not uh, come ahead of the educational needs of the students. You know, that's fundamentally, I think, critical point to it. It should look after the student, particularly when it's it's so much money um, as well. Um what are three things that a university should do, John, to retain its quality of service? It's a really good question, Matt. I think I think the first one for me is contact time. And unfortunately, I think back to my university days where every day was filled with seminars, lectures, one-to-one -one sessions with with 
great academics. I think we've lost that. I think COVID accelerated the rate of loss as everything went online. But I think for me, the contact time between academics and students uh, has become really worryingly low for me. And, you know, I get that going to university is not just about getting a 2-1 or a first, it's about that overall experience. And for me, that overall experience has to include that contact time with academics. Uh, I think the second thing uh, is that the universities do need to make sure that when it comes to teaching and learning and contact time, they really do have their A team in place. They have their best academics working with the students. And, and I'm afraid far too often uh, I've seen you, academics who uh, are great researchers. They get very involved in the research, understandably, because that's part of, of higher education. But they almost use their research to buy themselves out of teaching time and face-to-face -face contact time and again I think you know if a student is going to an open day and they're told about the great professors and and the academics who are there not just reading the books but actually writing the books those students want to be inspired and taught by them when they go to university but sadly I'm afraid uh, a collective noun for some professors is an absence of professors rather than than a presence of professors which is what we really want to see and that absence is because they're away at conferences or writing papers. Yes, that's absolutely critical, but so is that obligation to have that face-to-face -face inspirational contact time with students. Um, and I think the third is, as we've spoken about just now, the entry tariffs. I mean, I think for me, we need to be honest with ourselves and say, if students, for whatever reason, are finding it difficult to get good entry tariff, good tariffs at A level, do we need to be placing them in a fairly hothouse academic environment at a university where they're accruing debts, they may well be living away from home. Are we better off helping them to go down an alternative route and therefore should universities be looking to raise the entry tariffs rather than racing to the bottom? And if I may just add in a quick fourth as well, Matt, um, I think for me it's assessment rigour. And as an employer, um, I know that a 2-1 from some universities or a first from some universities has a greater academic currency than a 2-1 or a first from some other universities. And I think this messaging that a 2-1 or a first is, is the same, whatever university we come from, is actually in the real world not true. And again, I'm being controversial in saying that. And I think there has been this race to try and achieve as many two ones and first class honours degrees and it's a bit you know I've heard it said before it's a bit like universities marking their own homework when they mark their own students work they can tweak their algorithms in a way that improves the number of two ones and firsts that they get that's a league table metric so of course it helps universities and vice chancellors achieve high league table positions but in doing that we're actually kidding ourselves that a 2-1 from University X has got the same value as a 2-1 from University Y, which may be a Russell Group or an Oxbridge University. So I think we need to be very careful with our assessment rigour to ensure that there is quality assurance over the qualifications that students come out with. And there is more of a level playing field across the board when students have got a degree certificate that says it's got a 2-1 or a first or a 2-2 even on it. Absolutely. And I guess it's my final question, John. What three things should students do when considering what route to take after finishing school and whether to go to university or explore an alternative career route? Another great question. And I think for me, we've sort of hinted at this already, and that's to really look at the cost 
benefit analysis of, of going to university to start with. Is it really worth my, my while to accrue a large debt, uh, to have to pay for accommodation and to delay my entry into the, the earning world, the, the, the salary wage earning world for three or four years? And, you know, even in addition to that, there's pension contributions and so on that are put back um, that can really have a long term impact on people's lives. So I think it's looking at the cost benefit analysis and very closely linked with that, Matt, the second thing for me is what is the real driver within that young person for going to university? You shouldn't go there because parental pressure is saying that you should go there because your school is telling you to go there or because you just feel it's the right thing to do because all of your friends are going there. What are the other alternatives that you could look at and consider before you decide to go down a, a university route? And, and I think that for me is the third thing. What are the alternatives? If I do decide that I genuinely want a degree, is it a degree that I'm going to, to get simply by going to university and being a full time student? Or is there an option for me to, to study part time alongside working? Or can I work for an employer that offers me a degree apprenticeship that enables me to study and get a degree whilst I'm earning money? So I think all three of those, um, the genuine cost benefits, what are the alternatives and what are the real drivers are very much linked in to what a student should be considering and thinking before they decide to go to university or to follow an alternative. And that, that's the advice I would give them. Think very carefully and very closely and also make sure, as I said just now, Matt, that the university that you do choose, if you decide to go down that route, is really likely to be the, the best one for you and for your way of learning and, and for what you want to achieve at the end of your qualification. John, that was incredibly constructive and incredibly useful. I just want to thank you so much for your time. Not at all, Matt. No problem at all. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me. You've been listening to John Brewer, Professor John Brewer, talking about universities in a very candid and honest way. I don't think it's controversial. I think it's refreshing to have leaders in the profession being honest about how we maintain quality assurance and how we ensure that the, 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 the choice that student is making is right for them. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give it a like and give it a good review. And please tune back in for more episodes later in the month. Thank you. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Public Sector podcast. Now, 87% of listeners who enjoyed the podcast do not leave a review, follow the podcast or share it. Please, if you enjoyed the episode, like it, review it and share the podcast. It allows us to keep doing this podcast for free to the public. Thank you very much. Thank you.